In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He was, is, and always shall be. As we just began this past week, the period of the Nativity Fast, as we know it, or Advent, as it might be more commonly called. Uh, and, and it's really a journey, a journey as in all periods liturgically of the year and of our life, a journey. And we begin uh, this past week the journey towards the Nativity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as we mentioned last week. And in today's Gospel and Epistle, we are presented with two contrasting or alternate <coughs> understandings or views of our lives, spiritual principles that are presented to us in Scripture and in the hymnology and the prayers of the church. And in this case, a very short gospel and epistle, both which present these alternate or contrasting views. The parable of the rich man. We've heard this again many times. And we know from reading in the gospel that he had many possessions. He had land, must have had a lot of land because he was able to produce a lot of crops such that he had to build bigger barns to store all these crops. So he had much land. And he probably, knowing at this time, also had cattle. So he had many possessions, many possessions with which he was able to yield great return. Hence the riches or the wealth that he acquired. And then in the epistle that you heard from Ephesians, and let me just read it to you very quickly. Brethren, God who is rich in mercy out of the great love which, with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and made us sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not because of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we hear in this epistle of St. Paul to the church in Ephesus about richness. The same word is used in both the gospel and the epistle, plusios, or plusii in, in plural. Rich, wealthy, having many possessions, being full of all good things, agathas, it says in the, in the um, gospel about the, the, the possessions, the good things that this rich man had. But we see very clearly between the gospel and the epistle about what is important, what is essential for us to understand about that with which we have been given, not that with which we have acquired, though it may seem that way, very much so, because that is all we see, all we hear. And in this 
time, and I say this time because those of you who've lived long enough know that this time is like the last time, and like the time before that and the time before that, we forget because we're in this time, economic time, and this happens and that happens, and oh, this is the end of the world, and how could it, you know, how could this be? But these times have happened before. Things go up and they go down, and we are reminded time and time again to understand and to focus, to focus, to center ourselves through our faith about what is important and essential. It's one thing to have all these wonderful crops and cattle and all these things that this man acquired. It's even greater for us as Christians to have the richness, the wealth, the gift, which is to all of us. You know, this man acquired many things. Not everyone acquires those things. We know that in our life today. And the Gospels and the Epistles speak to that as well. But the richness of his mercy and his grace is, is offered to all of us, regardless of what happens in this life as it relates to these gifts, these, these uh, goods. That we must focus on, and that is the contrasting alternate view for us in the church, is to remember this. But what are we to do with these things? What are we to do with these teachings, this, this understanding, this different understanding of riches that the church presents us with, that the gospel presents us with, about the parable of the rich man? In the Psalms, King David, the prophet David, wrote, only fools say in their hearts, there is no God. This is in several places in the Psalms. Chapter 14, also in 53. In the Psalm 14, also Psalm 53. There is only fools say in their heart, there is no God. Now isn't that what this, this man was doing? He was, as we heard from the gospel, thinking unto himself. He was looking out and he was admiring, if you will, in a very selfish, very narcissistic way, that which he had acquired that which he had achieved, that which was his. And the Lord said very clearly in this parable, fool, you are foolish to think this. You are foolish, not because you have these things, not because you have through maybe your own effort grown, raised these crops and developed these things and acquired this, but because you believe and you think, number one, it is yours. And number two, that it is necessary for you here in this life. You're foolish. What's important to acquire is your soul. What's important to receive is the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life. This is what's lasting. This is what's needed of you. That's what this this uh, verse that says your soul is required of you. Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Whoever lays up treasure for himself, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. 
The more we seek Christ and strive and struggle to follow his example, the more we become wise, the more we become prudent, the more we become sensible and not like this man, foolish to think to himself. We must, and this is the application for us, especially as we are in this period of time where we approach the secular celebration of Thanksgiving, but in the church, ecclesiastically, we are always or should always be in a spirit of thanksgiving. And that's the theme of the stewardship uh, campaign this year is the Eucharist, thanksgiving, giving back what we, after we have been given, or in response rather, to what we've been given, which is the Eucharist, the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which is eternal life, which is salvation. What do we give back? How do we invest back, to use the word that is an economic term? What do we invest in? How do we do it? Why is it important? Investing in the church, we speak about investing in the church, and we use it in terms of investing in this parish or any other parish. Investing in the stewardship, the, the donations that, that, are, that are necessary to keep uh, this parish here able to be able to minister. But investing in the church is so much more than just simply dollars, giving of money. Investing in the church, first and foremost, is recognizing, is understanding the gift of salvation, recognizing that we are created in His image and likeness, to be with Him eternally. That's the way we were created. And that is our prayer that we return to paradise, as we say in the prayers of the church, to be with Him eternally in the richness, the richness, the immeasurable richness of God's mercy and God's grace in His kingdom. We invest in the church so that she may continue to minister not only to us, but to all, to all, whether they be here today, you here today, or in the ministries of our parish, but more importantly in the ministries of the world. That is what we are called to do. There's a very famous and well-known quote from St. Basil the Great, and I saw it this morning in, in something I received. Uh, and you've, you've heard this before, I hope you have, but I'm going to read it to you. St. Basil the Great has a quote for this foolish rich man and for us, and he said, The bread which you do not use is the bread of the hungry. The garment hanging in your wardrobe is the garment of him who is naked. The shoes that you do not wear are the shoes of the one who is barefoot. The money that you keep locked away is the money of the poor. The acts of charity that you do not perform are so many injustices that you commit. And the commentator goes on and says, sisters and brothers, we do not own anything. What we have belongs to God and to those who are in need. If we do not share, then we are no better than thieves. This is very strong and St. Basil felt very, um, very much, it was very much in his heart about 
the church, the people, the body of Christ, sharing and taking and giving what they have been graced with in terms of their possessions to those in need. And that is why St. Basil, as we know, as we celebrate on January 1st with his feast day, and then our Vasilopita with the St. Basil's Academy, St. Basil was, was uh, spent, devoted his entire life to making the church understand the need and the necessity to do this. Orphanages, hospitals, all these things were established at the time St. Basil was here on this earth in the very early centuries. And it was the church who led the charge with these institutions of hospitals and orphanages and places to assist and to help those in need. And that is something for us to remember, not just this time, but all of our lives. So the question then is, where is our heart? Is it in the church? Is it in her ministries? Where is our heart in our possessions? What treasures, what are the treasures that we have in our life? When we think about these things, that will be the answer as to where our heart is. What we see is the treasures that we have in this life. And what we understand is the richness, the true richness, the richness that comes from above. As the prayer says that we as priests read just before the consecration, the richness of mercy and grace that comes from above. One of the things that we will have celebrate this week is the feast of the entrance of the Theotokos into the temple. We will celebrate that tomorrow. Tonight we have Vespers, tomorrow we have liturgy. Joachim and Anna offered something. They offered their daughter, Mary, to live in the temple at a very young age, not figuratively, but literally offered her to be there. Certainly Joachim and Anna were living the words of Jesus from this gospel that we heard, and also from the gospel of Luke, which says, now great multitude, uh, Luke chapter 14, now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, whoever comes to me and does not hate or turn from father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. This is indeed a very strongly worded message from St. Luke. But Joachim and Anna, of great age, who were blessed with a child, who became, as we know, the bearer of God, of Christ Jesus, who devoted her life, her, par her parents, brought her to the temple, and she devoted her life by saying yes to God and giving birth to the Savior. This is the message. To save our lives, we must lose them. To preserve our lives, we must give up. To become great, we must become small. All that God teaches is contrary to what conventional wisdom teaches us just as we heard in the gospel and the epistle. So therefore, we are called to become compassionate, 
humble servants giving back even beyond the gifts that we've been given, contrary to what this world teaches us and to what this world would call us to do. So let us, let us follow the example of those in the gospel who gave out of what little they had and who most importantly and essentially gave themselves to follow Christ. Amen.